Welcome to the You're Sober Now What podcast. My name is Tamara Medford, and on the show, my good friend and co-host Lane Kennedy and I talk about all things long-term recovery. Now, if you haven't joined us in the community, then you can check it out at members.connectedcomlife.com. And for the month of June, we're talking about fun and play, which I think is something that you know as adults we get busy uh, life gets stressful and we forget to be very intentional about adding fun and play into our day-to-day lives so lane and i have created a 30-day fun challenge to just really bring that back and you know get everyone taking a look at what they can do every day the simple things that can bring more joy and laughter into your lives. So make sure you check that out. Again, that's members.connectedcomlife.com. And today's episode is a special one because the first Monday of the month, you're going to be hearing Time Takes Time. Now, this is a group of amazing people in long-term recovery that Lane has gotten together. And she hosts this on her show, The Connected Calm Life. So if you have not checked out Lane's podcast, go check that out. And of course, leave a rating and review because that helps the show get out to more people. So, you know, maybe you're looking for some more meditation in your life. You want to learn more about mindfulness and and even more about long-term recovery. Make sure you go check out Lane's show. Now, before we jump into today's discussion on fun in long-term recovery with Time Takes Time, I just want to remind you of the Now What Academy, which is going to be starting in the fall. So if you want to be on the wait list, if you want to get a heavily discounted price, and if you want to be the first one to get all the information about the program, make sure you save your spot. You know, maybe you're tired of yelling at your partner. Maybe you want to trust people more. Maybe you want to argue less and stop putting your foot in your mouth. Maybe you feel like it's ready to start a new career or you want to look and feel 10 years younger and feel unblocked. This program is for you. So head on over to the website, thenowwhatacademy.com. Jump on the wait list and you will be the first to receive the information about the program and the start date. And like I said, there's a heavily discounted rate. All right, enjoy this episode. This is an episode where we focus on living in long-term recovery. And the topic this month is fun. Having um, a good time, you know, living out loud, living your best life. If you have not joined the Connected Calm Life, I want to invite you to do that. We're having a challenge, dun, 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 a fun and play challenge inside the community. Uh, so join that and listen to the Connected Calm Moment. You'll hear a lot about how to have fun in your sober life. You can join at members.connectedcalmlife.com. It's like five bucks a month. So easy peasy. You support the show and support your recovery. All right, let's get into today's episode with four people in long-term recovery, Dave, Danny, Veronica, and Elise. Let's go. Elise, are you ready? Oh, you know I'm ready to talk about fun, Lane. (laughs) You guys can't see how excited I am. I'm sorry that my camera is not working today, but it's, it's, you know, that's what happens. That's what happens. 
going. I'm going to uh, go around and everyone's going to introduce themselves. So Dave, do you want to kick us off? Hey everybody, uh, my name is Dave Yates and I guess I have long-term recovery. How long are you sober, Dave? It was uh, 10 years on April 23rd of the la- last April. So. That's right. So cool. All right, Veronica. Hi, uh, my name is Veronica Valley. I just celebrated last week ago, 22 years. Perfect. Yay. And Daniela. Hello, I am Daniela Kovacs, and I'll be celebrating 12 years in July. Boom. Elise Brayson. I'm Elise Brayson, and I'm the founder of The Sober Curator, and I just celebrated my sweet 16. Amazing. And you know me, my name is Lane Kennedy, and I live with 25 years of continuous sobriety, and it's literally one second at a time, sometimes. Uh, Dave, I love your cat back there. Yeah, he's a, he's a jerk. <laughs> It's either it's either let him do that or he will stand outside the door and go, my name is Jeffrey Pickles and I won't be ignored. Nice. That's so brilliant. So today's conversation is about having fun and being playful in recovery. And I want to travel back in time for a moment for you to remember uh, early recovery. We're going to hit this in three different areas. So our early recovery, a midpoint in your recovery, and then today, what what you're doing. So let's travel back in time for a minute and think about, I don't know about you, but play and having fun was super awkward for me. And this is a dialogue and a conversation. So you don't have to wait for me to say, okay, Veronica talk. Like this is just us hanging out in a room talking about play and fun. Who wants to kick it off? Well, I'll go first, I guess. Um, so uh, I didn't mention in my intro, uh, I'm a professional stand-up comedian. I've, I've been one for 11 out of uh, uh, the past uh, years of my life, um, and I've been sober for 10. So I've been doing comedy uh, one year longer than I've been <laughs> sober, which I'm super grateful for. But like, I, I, I literally get paid to make fun. And uh, from early recovery, when I, when I got out of rehab, a lot of the people in the rehab were like, you can't go to the comedy club or any of the places that comedy happens because there's drugs and alcohol there. And uh, I remember being heartbroken because it's all I had left was, mm. was, was telling these dumb jokes. And uh, I had uh, some sober friends that told me I can go anywhere. Uh, so I, I remember the only time I've ever been nervous to be on stage was that first time out of rehab, went to the comedy club, thanked the owner and his wife for visiting me. And he's like, do you want to get on stage? And I'm like, absolutely. And not having realized that I had never done comedy sober, um, you know, I was always I was always either high or a little tipsy. And so like that was the only time I was ever nervous because I didn't know if I could be funny anymore. And then my first couple of jokes hit and I never looked back. So, and I, I've been grateful to, to have a career uh, telling jokes, which is nuts. I, I literally get paid to make the fun. <laughs> that is the coolest thing ever. Mm-hmm. I, in early recovery, any of you go and hang out at comedy clubs? Nobody went to comedy clubs in early recovery? Because everybody, <gasps> knows, everybody knows it's a dark den of, of despair at a comedy club. Oh, no, Dave. So when I got sober... Well, I, I'm talking about from my end of, of the business. Like, right, Well, yes. I mean, co- comedians are miserable people. <laughs> but I got... Um, 
I, I remember, I can't remember the last time I went to a comedy, comedy club, but I, um, and I can tell you this because he's talked about it publicly. Russell Brand got sober in the uh, treatment center I used to work at in England. Mm-hmm. And um, after completing his treatment, he was going straight to the Edinburgh Fringe. And it was just maybe a few weeks after he graduated treatment, he came and did a show for us that was that he was going to take to the fringe. And it was all based on, we used to, in treatment, we used to, people had to do a daily diary. So every morning they had to write down like where their head was at, how they were feeling, that kind of stuff, and submit it for the staff to just kind of review and that kind of stuff. And he, he made up, I remember he made up his whole routine based on that. It was very fun. I and mean, it was a long time ago because I think he's been sober 18-ish year, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, that was maybe the first comedy event, I don't know, that I can you remember. got to get back out there. To. There's a lot of good yeah. stuff out there. Yeah. Not just Russell Brand. You got, uh, this is so true. Of people <laughs> that are deserving of your dollars and your chuckles. Yes. I freaking love comedy. So I got sober in Los Angeles and in, in LA, like everyone was the comic. Yeah, and then people, everybody does comedy shows in like a laundromat or a bathroom. Yeah. Like there's comedy that happens everywhere. It's, it was everywhere. And so we would have a crew of people who would go to these clubs and it was like, just sit there. Don't look at the drinks. You know, they always have the little waitresses with their little trays, like practically spilling on you because they want you to drink more. And we would have this huge group and just laugh hysterically. I'm so glad you brought that memory back for me because it's so, it was so great. But today, uh, anytime I can go to comedy, I go because it is that it's like laugh. It's, it's pure fun. It's laughter. Yeah. I, um, at my best spiritually, um, which it, that is a sliding scale. I do a job that in the moment it's a homeostasis between like, even if the audience doesn't like me, which happens, uh-huh. they're not thinking about the bills they have to pay. They're not thinking about their, their jobs, their significant others, their troubles. They're just thinking about how much they don't like me. And up <laughs> on stage for me even if you don't like me, I'm not thinking about the bills I have to pay, relationships, mm-hmm. you know, troubles. And so in that moment, we're both providing each other an escape that won't kill us. It's a mutually right. beneficial relationship. Um, but then there's ego. Then there's, you know, I mm-hmm. want them to like me. And I honestly, are we, are we allowed to curse on this podcast? You can. My give a fuck tank had to be empty yeah. in order for me to truly appreciate what I do for a living. You know, because there's all this concern over what they think or what what they're going to laugh at, what they're not going to laugh at. And it's just like once I stopped caring and I just went up there and just tried to be of service, like, you Mm -hmm. know, like universe, please help me be of service with the gifts you have given me. That's when it became a lot more fun. So I just go to I go to work and I just I'm very lucky that I don't sit in a cubicle. Oh, that's so cool. So cool. Daniela, what were you doing for early recovery, fun, play? You know, I'm thinking about it while you guys are chit-chatting and it's funny because I really don't think I, I knew how to have fun. So am I funny or are we talking about doing something fun? Those are two different things. So I it's come- about, it's about, think about like when we're yeah. in new recovery, it's like yeah. life is not drab and boring. So we, we all got through it. How did yeah. you get through it? how did you have fun? how did you play? So fun, again, that the way I see fun is more... It depends on what you what you're looking for in life, right? Like I come, okay, talking about funny, 
I come from a very funny family. We're a bunch of characters. The way we joke, our sense of humor is just so out there. So yes, there's a lot of funny around me, great conversations. And I'm definitely a conversationalist. I enjoy being around people where we can have some really deep conversations, such as like this, you know? Um, but to have fun, I think I never learned how to have fun. So that's why within so many years of, you know, my nine years of active addiction is that I, the only way I could have fun was to have a drink. So I didn't mm. learn even as a child, you know, yeah, I played with friends, whatever. As a teenager, I didn't drink. I wasn't one of those. Um, what I enjoyed most was hanging out with my friends, having coffee and talking. So that to me is I find so much more pleasurable and so much more fulfilling. So when I first got sober, first of all, my focus was about getting better um, and staying away from all that I thought was fun, which was going to a bar in the evening and consuming beverages and and trying to figure out who I was in the process. But what I found to be my passion, what I found most fulfilling and most fun and enjoyable was, as we've talked about before, was about, you know, I don't know, setting goals for myself, you know, trying to achieve things, trying to, to, mm -hmm. you know, fill my life with purpose and, you know, fulfilling my life with events that are not just doing something like I, I remember having a conversation with an ex-boyfriend and he loves to do things that are leisure like just having fun here and there like little things you know that don't uh, there's no gain to it maybe he does gain pleasure okay but for me I gain so much pleasure about I don't know hey starting a wine company or going to university or or challenging myself with something new so I stopped going out so you asked about the comedy club I don't go out at night anymore. Your I'm fun not sounds out. stressful. Your fun I know. I was like, like oh my God, Daniela, this is no. like your, your idea of fun. But I think this is interesting. Like your idea of fun and being playful is like getting shit done. Like making, like building your life. I listen, when people ask me, what do you do for fun? And all this, like, where do you want to start? First of all, you know, I wake up really early and I work hard and I do my job, but I find all of that. So I like to be productive. I find that fulfilling. I yeah. have no desire and forgive me to go out at night and sit at a bar. I'll do that maybe once a year and meet up with a friend just because it's not who I ever was. I'm, I must be an introvert then. So it, it's, it's. Yeah, I don't. Um, I so look, she's basically saying my whole profession is useless. Everybody, <laughs> <laughs> there is there is no reason for no. for I her mean, to come out at night to view comedy. I'll let you know when the three p.m. comedy shows are happening. And honestly, that's a great idea, Dave. Oh, it's an awful idea. Comedy does not work in the afternoon. Honestly, guys, like I'm actually now, but I will say this, my schedule, the way it's been in life has just been crazy for the past almost 12 years. Now I'm finally learning how to unwind. Like honest mm. to God, for years now, I've been waking up at 3 a.m. What? So, yes. Excuse me. Uh, please, anybody else wake up at 3 a.m.? That's no, just no. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. But trust me, I'm waking up at 5.30 now, which is exciting, you know? Okay. So it's finally, uh, maybe there's a shift and slowly I'll be able to learn how to socialize again. But mm -hmm. again, I've enjoyed what I do. It's not like I don't do things, but I, to be honest, for so long, I lived in, you know, going out at night and being out within that world. And I had no desire to return to that. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
as I rarely do go out to a club or a bar or even a restaurant anymore, uh, I still tend to get a bit of anxiety from it, even though I, I don't think it has anything to do with the drinking. I think it's just more of a social anxiety that I, I get now. I think it depends on what, like, I was 27 when I got sober. Yeah. And I, like, everyone, I think, thought I was never going to have fun again, like, 100%. And I, I love to go out and dance. And and I the first time I went out dancing, it was weird. And then it just wasn't. And by the time, like, you know, in my late 20s and early 30s, I was going to clubs and I was going to festivals. And I was, mm-hmm. I, I've always, you know, I lived in London and Cambridge. There was so much live music. That's my best idea of fun. It's like, the you know, you're going to see your favorite bands. I, I was doing all the things. I don't do that really that, I mean, I like to do stuff like that, but not, that often because I'm almost 50. I was just in Miami at the She Recovers event and they have a silent disco, so much fun. Mm -hmm. But I'm probably not gonna go down and find a silent disco at like 11 p.m. at night. Like that's my idea of hell because I'm like 50 and I don't want to do that. I think it's funny that I I look older than all of you because I did probably way more nose drugs than any of you. (laughs) Oh, I did a lot of nose drugs. That's what what I I hang out there like, I'll be 36 in like two weeks and people are like, you're only 36? I'm like, yeah, I fucked. You just need up. to shave your beard. Shaving your beard. Why would I do that? This is the cash register. I know what sells. <laughs> and it's this beard. Veronica, how dare you? I was about to compliment you and agree with you that live music is is like church. Yeah. It, yes, it, it is. It's, it's the only thing in my oh. life that like com- that takes over comedy precedence. Like on my 10 year anniversary, I went up to uh, Bakersfield, California, which. Uh, oh, God. Uh, Armpit. It, 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 well, you know what? Bakersfield is fun when you know you're leaving. Uh, and I went and saw this country music singer, the singer-songwriter, his name's Charlie Crockett. He makes, the best way I could describe it, he makes like lonesome cowboy music for dudes that are afraid of therapy to work through their shit. That's the oh, kind no. of music that, it, and it's not me, I just love the music. Like, I go to therapy, I'm not afraid of it. But, so I went there with no ticket, uh, it was a sold-out show, and I walked around and just seeing if anybody had an extra. Not only did someone have an extra, they just let me in for free. So I got to go dance and hang out on my sober anniversary listening to sad country music. It was the best. That's cool. Music is, is such a transformational tool yeah. in, in, in any time in recovery. But I think what uh, I love just what you said, Veronica, about dancing. Mm. Dancing anytime, any place will change my mood in a nanosecond. Yeah. Anybody else a dancer? What? <laughs> I dance oh, in my yeah. living room almost every day. So okay, so that's a great, that's again, playful yeah. and fun. Elise, early recovery, what, what were you doing? Not dancing. No. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> uh, it was awkward, but I did, I, I probably started dancing probably around the four or five year mark. I returned to the dance floor and it was super awkward at first, um, but then I found my rhythm like you, like you do. And then I don't know. I don't know if it's getting older or or staying sober longer, but you, you just stop caring what other people think too. Oh, right. So, but you know, um, and probably I dance exactly the way that I dance drunk, but maybe a little bit more coordinated. But you know, I was like, I'm not good at this. What I used to think I was like a really good dancer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but early recovery, man, that was a long time ago. It's hard to remember what I did to have fun. I, you know, my whole friendship circles changed all my bar Mm -hmm. people not interested in hanging out with me. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd also pulled a geographic. So, so I, I didn't really know a lot of people. Um, and I was still very, uh, 
addicty in my first year because I was just faking all the things. I wasn't really doing any work. I was just not drinking and hanging on for dear life. And so like thrift shopping, shopping, crafting, painting. Um, my first fall sober, I had this major pumpkin problem. I could not stop buying pumpkins, um, real pumpkins, decorative pumpkins. If it had a pumpkin on it, I had it, had to have it. Like I'm, po- I'm powerless over gourds I, and my I, life yeah, is unmanageable. Exactly. Seriously? Exactly. Wait a minute. How yeah. long were you, how long in recovery did you have a pumpkin problem? When was this? I, that was about nine months sober. Oh, geez. Yeah, That's it was a disaster. Yeah, for those of you listening in early recovery, beware of, of pumpkins and gourds and the like. Yep, yep, <gasps> yep. You're extra sensitive. Uh, yeah, it was wild. Well, here's the thing. I was experiencing holidays and seasons mm-hmm. for for like the first time in decades, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was excited about life. I remember I was not quite at a year sober when my family went to Disneyland. And and I was like, mm-hmm. it is the happiest place on earth. You know, <laughs> like it is. Why have I not become, been coming here? So um, it took a while to find the fun. But now, I mean, I don't mean to show off you guys, but like one of my titles, you can go check LinkedIn right now director of fun it's on linkedin it's for real it's a title that i own so i'm all about the fun now she directs it i direct it that's right (laughs) don't get me wrong i do have some fun and music is a huge one i remember seeing because music look i even have like i've got a million band shirts i love my rock and roll black sabbath is my favorite group so i love black sabbath so you're a metal chick yeah that came, right. that came out of nowhere. I, I yeah, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, that wasn't, I wasn't ready coming? for that one. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I saw it coming. I saw okay, it Okay, Dave. Okay, Dave. I, I'm a pretty good judge of character. I was waiting. I was like, there's something in its metal. That's what unlocks the, that's what unlocks Daniela's spirit. Yeah. yeah. Anybody, anybody take a geographic. I love that Elise just brought up the geographics in early, re, in early recovery. In yeah. my, in my, I was 27 when I got sober. I did. I've done seven geographicals where I've moved continents. So I would go go from London to Key West and Florida because when you're, when you're a burgeoning alcoholic and I was in full-blown alcoholism by a teenager, there's one, one mission you have in life. And that is where's the party. Cause it's not here. There must be a party somewhere. And I got to Key West and was like, it's here. (laughs) And that, and that finished, it finished me off. It was way That's too much where Ernest Hemingway it. burnt it down a lot. Yeah. yeah. And it finished and it finished me off. And then I f- did the final move back to England. It was the seventh time I, I was 18 months sober and I, I went back to England. It was the right time. And then I meet an American and come back to America. Yeah. That's, the, cur- that's did, the curse. Yeah. All, all, all you over, over the pond travelers, you meet one of us and then you get stranded here. Yeah. I, I, this is in my, like, because of my husband's job, we move a lot. And it's like, I don't, I've spent my entire life moving and I, like, I've never been in one place and I don't get it. And I want to, I want to get it. I want to stop moving. Veronica, I love that you shared that because I'm getting ready to move again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my mom and I, the other day, just for shits and giggles, decided to count up how many times I've moved since the age of 18. I bet I can beat you. Go on. 24. 24. <laughs> oh, double. Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. I don't, I just like, I, I don't want to, it's like involuntary, but what it are you keeps running happening. From, Veronica? I, I, know, <laughs> I, know. I know it's been my husband. It's like, I happen to move some, marry someone who has a job that means we've moved a lot. It's like, 
<sighs> you know, that takes a toll on you. It, it mm. takes a toll, but I'm over it. Over I also it. like don't keep as much stuff. Like, I mean, oh, I, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a hoarder. Like, I love things, but like every time I move, I got to get rid of a bunch it's of stuff. It's the cure so for hoarding. It is the cure for mm-hmm. hoarding, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So when you relocate and you're in this new city, uh, you're in recovery. What's the first thing that you do when you land there? For me, it's always been uh, the 12 step communities. Mm-hmm. Anyone else want to bite that? I think about all the reasons why I don't like my new area. Cause it's not the same as the one I, <laughs> that's what happens when change happens to me. I get there and I'm just like, this sucks. This sucks. Like when I first moved to Los Angeles from Illinois, I landed and I started hanging out with uh, sober people on the beach and I would sit mm. there and I'm like, this person sucks. That person sucks. Oh, there's dolphins. Great. You know, so I was sitting in the most beautiful place that you could be, which is next to the ocean and just being a miserable fuck. So that's usually what I do first is I judge everything around me until the pain of things staying the same is greater than the pain of change. That's when I change and I start going and doing healthier things and, and surrounding myself with new crew of people and, and mm-hmm. developing a routines so yeah that's I, I i move in first and then i judge the shit out of a place that's, yes that's... i do that too I, I i'm like yeah this sucks i'm so with you dave on that it it takes me like six months maybe nine months to get into a new place and but then there's the magic that happens when i'm hanging out with other sober people that they just kind of take you in before you even know it and then all of a sudden you're going bowling i remember the first time i went bowling and I was like, what are all these people doing? Who, who goes bowling? Like, why are you doing this in the middle of the day? Well, like, I don't understand. Is bowling is super fun. I learned that in recovery because before bowling was not cool. I mean, I watched it on TV growing up with my dad. It was not cool. Really? And then suddenly Being forced to watch bowling. That sounds traumatic. Watching bowling on TV. No, that's like watching golf. Like why? It doesn't make any <laughs> that's sense. That's what I'm saying. So when all these sober people were like, okay, you're new in town. We're going bowling. I was like, Ugh. but then everybody was laughing and, you know, making jokes about the shoes and the outfits. People got dressed up and had bowling bags. It was crazy. It was a good time. Bowling's fun. I love bowling. Yeah, I did a lot. I did a lot of cor- corny shit when I first got sober. Like I hung out with a lot of people. Like I got sober at twenty-five, so I like I hung out with a lot of people, and especially you know there were people like eighteen, nineteen, trying to get sober. Yeah, you know, got there. Got to love the uh, the uh, uh, institution of uh, pharmaceuticals. They they <sighs> tend to drive someone to the bottom a lot faster. So yeah, you know. I know a kid. I, I know a kid. He's still sober to this day. He got sober at sixteen years old. Yes. Before he could ever, before he could ever legally buy alcohol, and it was a mm. combination of he stole enough alcohol and pills to bring him to the doorstep of us ding dongs hanging out trying to be sober. And now he's he's in like his mid twenties. He lives in New York City. Like he's living his life. So you know yeah. that's that's the one thing I tell people. I'm like you know, when we talk about bottoms or what happens in early recovery, it's just like the bottom is like in your soul. Like it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You you can lose everything. I've lost everything. I've burnt it down and that wasn't enough. Like mm-hmm. I got scars on my eyebrows and, and the back of my head from falling off of roofs. That didn't stop me. It was when I got to that pit in the middle that was like, you, I can't, 
you know, I can't do this anymore. You know, that's the, it's that, uh, uh, they call it the gift of desperation. Yeah, that's it. Ugh. So let's talk about now. I'm going to just skip to now or in between. Let's share one outrageous moment of fun that you've had in your recovery that perhaps you were not expecting or looking for, but you have really fond memories of that moment. Elise, you want to kick us off with that one? Oh, man. You're thinking, I'm thinking, and I'm like, now I'm going to talk about Disneyland again. I don't want to be that girl. Um, Right before the pandemic, my last trip before Mm. the pandemic, I went to California to go to the new Star Wars land, uh, whatever it's called. And like, I just had the best day with my cousin. We just like, we motored, we got on like 16, 18 different rides in one day. And we had all the food that we wanted and just... We just had the best time laughing and it was so much fun. And um, I have a heart condition. I had emergency heart surgery around 10 years sober. And after that happened, I was really nervous. I was never going to be able to ride a roller coaster again, you mm-hmm. know? So the fact that my health returned and and I could take this trip um, with my cousin, we just had the best time. We just had so much fun. That's so really cool. um, that was a way, you know, and little did I know that we'd be going into a, you know, a lockdown shortly after. Right, right. Veronica, outrageous oh, moment. Oh, God. I mean, I, I think, honestly, one of the things I've noticed is, like, when you're, I feel like when you're drinking, you're very, like, planning fun. Like, we're going to go and get wasted this weekend because it's fun. Mm-hmm. And sure, we do, like, sure, I've been to Disneyland and I've been to different events because I know they're fun, but it feels much more organic. Like, I don't, it's not, it just sort of happens, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like... I remember being at, you know, big sober events and there's all sorts of sober shenanigans that get on that happen. They're just so funny. Like, and, and you didn't really expect that to happen. And just things like the silent disco was hysterical. We were all like laughing and dancing and we could see people walking by going, what are they doing? And, (laughs) and having no inhibitions, you know, we're all middle-aged women and these hotel guests are walking because like nobody can hear and you're all singing really badly to like, and, and people are like looking going and you have no, you know, going for it, like going for it on the dance floor. That's the, you know, I, you, we always, you know, alcohol loosens our inhibitions. Like, you know, I feel like there's been different things where I'm just like, let's just go for it. Like, gives, mm-hmm. you know, and there's something life affirming mm-hmm. about that. So I like it when, when fun just kind of happens organically, like you just, yeah. you do something and then you connect with someone and you're laughing and like, yeah, I always used to have to think you have to drink to get all of that. And, and you don't. Nope. Not at all. Daniela. I wouldn't say anything that I've done is outrageous. I, I don't, I think I'm a little bit more reserved. I think I did all the outrageous stuff when I was drinking and that's what the drinking allowed me to do it. But I think for me, it's just like, you know, fulfilling my, you know, um, 
traveling, you know, traveling is huge for me. Like, you know, I, you know, treated myself and my son to, you know, a tour through Europe back in 2016 for a month. We traveled all the cities and that was just an amazing experience. And then, you know, what I do for myself, because, you know, as I said, like I like to work and I like to kind of plan ahead and whatever I, you know, I'll plan trips to Cuba and I'll travel and I'll, I'll do stuff like that. Um, but I don't think there's anything too outrageous in what I do, but I'm I think so. Like, uh, again, think about, I like the bigger things, right? But think about somebody who's suffering from alcoholism and perhaps they're not in their cups, right? Perhaps they're not drinking, but they're sick in their head, right? Because alcoholism is something that lives between our ears, right? It's it's a mental illness. So they're in that. I cannot even plan. I can't even get out of my house. I can't see it. And also, I love that. Yeah. And also I've taught myself, like, I, I, I don't need that instant gratification anymore. I don't need to, mm-hmm. to, you know, because, you know, I'm never bored. I haven't experienced boredom in sobriety yet. You know, I don't mm-hmm. need instant gratification. I don't need these things or people to amuse me anymore. And I plan ahead. So yeah, like I like the big stuff. So we're talking about geographical. Yeah. I've been in place due to the things I've had to do. Plus I have a, you know, a son and now with the business, but teetotaler wines, the plan was there when I got out of university saying, Hey, I need to find something that can allow me to travel the world. So this is, I'm on my course to planning to move. My dream is to move to Italy. I want to travel the world. I want to like be more, actually I was talking to my son the other day. I'm like, I think I'm do an eat pray love soon are you ready because <laughs> I just want to take off right. you know See, that would be an outrageous moment that would be yeah. your outrageous moment I think Definitely. that's super cool yeah so it's bigger it's out there it'll happen soon it's just me working towards it because I've had mm-hmm. to do a lot of work to get there you know but I'll, I'll get there I'm sure I'll do an eat pray love thing soon <laughs> and Dave outrageous moment oh boy I, yeah, mean... I know it's going to be good <laughs> I mean, I've done so many things in recovery that uh, I guess, quote unquote, you know, recovering addicts and alcoholics aren't supposed to do that. It's just like, I, like I, I was going to music festivals with like 34 mm-hmm. days sober because I had friends that were sober that would go with me. So I, I've, I've done pretty much everything one can do in recovery. And like, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to... I was a DJ at a strip club for a little while. That was yes. fun in sobriety because uh, I was get saving it, up Dave. to move to Los Angeles. And I, I was a DJ on Sundays and Mondays, you know, get those dollars out. You know, hey, sex work is work, everybody. And so, like, I, it was the easiest job I ever had. Like, I would just drink coffee and play music, you know, and those girls oh. are still my friends. Like, uh, like, I remember I went to the back where they would smoke cigarettes and talk shit about each other. And uh, my friend Lindsay, we're still friends to this day. She comes to my comedy shows like... She's smoking a cigarette and I'm like, Lindsay, what do you want to dance to tonight? She's like, I like you, Dave. I'm like, why? She's like, because you look at my eyes when you talk to me and not at my at my boobs. And I'm like, well, yeah. I've seen boobs before. Like, I work here. Like, it's not a big deal. <laughs> and like, we're friends, you know? And like, <laughs> like what I do is such a nomadic pursuit in general. So like, I travel the country alone. <laughs> I, I, I was just in Phoenix, Arizona this past weekend. So I go to little dive divey food places. I have fun. I go to antique stores and thrift stores. I have a Ooh, I record like that collection that is, uh, it is, it's nice. too much. I have like nothing to make you feel dumber than moving, uh, with 400 vinyl records. Like, you're like <laughs> oh, what, what am I doing with all this? You know? Um, and I just, I do whatever I want to do kind of when I want to do it. And that's, I mean, uh, the, the caveat being I'm 
uh, going to be 36. I'm a stand-up comedian that travels the country. I don't have any kids or a marriage, you know, and those things, you know, I see my friends that have those things and those look like fun and extreme things, but it just never suited me, you mm-hmm. know, they, they, that never suited me. So like I, I kind of just treat life like you can always make more money. You can't make more time. You know, so I, so I there, there it I, is. I literally do what I want to do with like within reason. I know that sounds like a selfish, egotistical thing, mm-hmm. but it's just like I don't I don't let uh, fear or anxiety or what what ifs happen, you know, mm-hmm. because it's like I put myself where I want to be. Like I asked the universe where I'm supposed to be You know, living in Los Angeles. I've met so many famous people and like like it's one of those things where it's just like it's just neat. Like I don't want anything from anybody but a handshake. Like I see you got your 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 Beatles uh, thing hanging in the back. I met Ringo once. Very nice guy. You know, I've mm-hmm. met Anthony Hopkins. I met Quentin Tarantino. And they're just like, it's nice to meet people who are super famous and just hang out. And like, I'm just, because of sobriety, I'm just chill. Because of sobriety, like I can be around people and not want anything from them. And that's the gift, right? That is the gift that we're offered is to live like human to human right? To, to sit in another room with them and just have fun and, and drink a, a beverage with them and to look eyeball to eyeball. Uh, and that can be a, a moment of fun in your life to look back on and be like, yeah, I participated. I was there. That was really awesome. I wouldn't have had that experience if I were drinking and using like, or it would have been a true disaster. Oh, yeah. No one would trust me to be around. No, you would not shit. be shaking hands with <laughs> with Tony. You would not be. You would not be. Yeah, so. Tony, Tony is right that, that Tony is a good dude. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was just thinking about as you guys were talking is that fun over the years, you know, it kind of evolves. Mm-hmm. And what I thought like early in my early recovery, it was like going to the pool parties and the barbecues and, you know, the movies and it mid sobriety, it started looking like uh, travel became a big thing. And now I've moved into a different part of my life where all of a sudden, which is, I can't even believe I'm going to say this, but like hanging out with my kid yeah. is like yeah. really uh, I'm looking forward to, it's a, it's a, a way for me to have fun and to play. And I have intentionally planned my whole summer vacation, which I would have never done that shit before. Cause that would have not been fun at all. And I, I know Elise, you, you, I mean, well, except for Dave, Veronica, do you have kids? Yeah, I have two boys. And just last night, my son, you know, when you see yourself and your children, I have a seven-year-old who's mm. a performer and loves to dance. Just uh-huh. We just got him in dance classes. And almost every night for the last two weeks, he's been putting on a dance show. For That's us. awesome. So he goes and his brother is his manager. His brother's 10. His brother helps pick out the costumes and sells the tickets. And then my seven-year-old, uh, does his dance for us, right. interpretive dance. And it's the best thing ever. But you probably were not looking for that before. And now no, it's become no. like an inspiration and fun. Oh yeah. It's so fun. I mean, it's so joyous. It's just pure joy. Yeah. I know. And, and we, least... we, he, he wants to do like 15 dances and we're like, we'll do one a night. <laughs> oh like God. one a night would be <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> enough. <laughs> well, Elise... Lane. Yeah. I'm not surprised that you want to hang out with your kid because I've gotten to know your kid and he's so cool. I want to come and hang out with your kids. So I get that completely. Um, and it reminds me so much of when I got sober, my son was nine. 
Mm. Um, and so, so by the time he turned 11 or 12, I was really starting to reap the benefits of recovery. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and things were balancing out because when I first got sober, I was putting so much into my recovery that I was still kind of an absent parent, if I'm being honest, right? Um, going and doing all the things that I thought I needed yeah. to do, you know, to stay sober. And so as that balanced out and I learned to have a balance um, and we just started playing together and we would, I mean, that was back when rock band was like popular. And so we would oh, play yeah. rock band. Our band was Kid Mama and we were really good. I mean, I don't think our neighbors agreed, but I thought we were really good. <laughs> and like, you know, I, I would be the cool mom that went to all the new Marvel movie openings and all, you know, anything mm -hmm. superhero, we were there, all the theme parks, all the road trips, you know, and just, just whatever, just, I can remember one time, um, I can't remember why we had this gift card at the Disney store for like, why do I keep talking about Disney? You guys are going to get the wrong. You're, you're one of those people. I'm not. No, I'm yes, not. you are. Oh you my can't gosh. stop. Just admit I, it. I, you can admit it. Disney adults oh are, are oh suspect. Oh my gosh. I am. Yeah, if you're listening here. Oh, whoa. Seek help. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, for whatever reason, I think I'd opened up a credit card. And with that card, they gave me this $250 Disney mm. gift card. And so my son and I went into the Disney store. I'm like, blow it, go buy whatever you want, just blow it, you know? And just, I just, I mean, I just became, it just, you know, I became the cool mom and it was fun. And we yeah. turned the garage into the man cave with all the oh, gaming stuff and ping pong and pool. And, you know, I had the quintessential dogs playing pool poster on the wall. Like I just, I really got to have fun and be present with him. I still was not a perfect mom. And, you know, there's a lot of things I, 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 I wish I could do over, but for the most part, we, we had, and still have a lot of fun playing together. He's 25 now and, uh, <laughs> and a bud tender at a weed store. So we don't, Oh, that name, bud tender. He's the bud weed tender. man. He's yeah. The weed yeah. Man. yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It's been really amazing to hear about parents in recovery and how they evolve and how they have fun. Uh, I don't want to make this conversation about parenting and having fun, but it's again, another gift of recovery of being, being present. Right. And that's what I know, Veronica, you're present. You're there with your little one doing that dance, which is so cool. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here, but before we wrap it up, I have three questions. And we're going to go around quickly and answer them. Look, everybody just sat up. Is that this was a funny. shotgun round? Is this a round? <laughs> yeah, the, the shotgun round. Okay, ready? Pancakes or waffles? Elise. Waffles. Waffles. Eggs or bacon? Veronica. Eggs. Coke or Diet Coke? Daniela. Diet Coke. I love that. Soccer or foot or soccer or football, Dave. It's the same shit. I know it is, but let's. Yeah, it, Veronica knows. That's right. I heard your accent. That's why I paused right there. So soccer. I, I mean, I'm a dumb American, and, so we don't understand soccer. So like naturally, NFL football. <laughs> NFL. Okay. Very good. Okay. Playing pool or playing basketball, Elise. Pool. Oh, I like that. Uh, where am I? Daniela, uh, reading a book at night or watching Netflix? Oh, Netflix. hundred percent. Thank Good you. Call. Good call, girl. I've watched like everything. So yeah. <laughs> Let's talk later about what you're watching. I want to know. Veronica, uh, doing your taxes or spending like crazy? 
spending like crazy. <laughs> Who would ever say the first one? Who? Some people. Daniela. Some people. Daniela oh. would. No, no, no. <laughs> I love doing my taxes and sitting at home. I love getting up no, at no, no. While, while I blast death metal in my headphones. But I, I do my taxes right away to get it over with. So uh, of course you do. Because I like to plan ahead so I know what how much money I can spend. I'm a spender, trust me. And that's still in me to to spend, you know, extravagantly, but just yeah. Uh, Dave, um, driving fast or driving slow? I mean, what nerd drives slow? Driving slow is more dangerous than driving fast. All you ding-dongs in the passing lane going five under, I hate all of you. So that would be fast. You know it. (laughs) I'm with you. All right. Our last question is we want to share with everyone listening one super fun, playful thing that they can do today. Elise. Paint rocks. Oh my God. Paint little happy things on rocks and leave them around. I say that because I love finding those rocks and taking them. Who would do that? I would never think people do it all the time. And if somebody brought it up to me the other day, they're like, but are you ever putting rocks back? And I was like, you're supposed to put them. You're supposed to put other ones back. So I'm going to start painting rocks. Yeah. I I ordered a kit from Amazon. Yeah. Uh, Daniela, what's one thing? I like to do online auctioning. So there's this great Max site. I mean, maybe I shouldn't talk about it. Like, I, I don't want to like sell it. Like, like online auctions where you bid like a buck to start. And I've got some really cool stuff for what? a buck. So What's I love it called? It. What's Max it called? Sold. And it's in the US as well. Max sold. <laughs> Max it's sold. Fun. Okay, we're all going there. Max yeah, okay, sold. Dave. <laughs> uh, go exploring. Go, go into the woods. Explore the woods. Oh, that's a good one. I love that. Okay. Okay, Veronica. Yeah, one of my favorite things because I don't get to do it very often is when I'm on the car my own and playing like my favorite songs, like full blast and screaming out the lyrics. Like I I just go for drive sometimes if I can do that. That is so good too. I love all these ideas. So there you go. There are four awesome ideas. Uh, It's been so good to be with you all. I want to thank you each for hanging out and sharing recovery and this panel of time. Time takes time and we do it together. Thanks for being here. Thanks again for listening. Wasn't that awesome? All kinds of really great ideas. I hope you will leave a review over at iTunes so more people can find this show, this episode, and share it with a friend. Maybe they need to have more fun in their life. Are you on the wait list for the Now What Academy? I want to invite you to get on the wait list so you can save $100 when we launch. It's coming up real quick. It's going to be here before you know it. So get on the wait list over at Your Sober Now What. All right, I'll see you in the next episode. Until then, take good care.